How many of you are looking forward to a new year in the Lord? Amen. Praise God. Hey, I'm going to ask you just to stand with me for the reading of God's Word this morning. And uh, as you do, I'd like you to take your Bibles with me to uh, Proverbs chapter 16. Proverbs chapter 16, we're going to begin at verse number 1 here in just a moment. You know, the thought occurred to me the other day, and I hadn't really given any thought to this, that this Sunday is not only the first Sunday of a new year, but as already mentioned, this is the first Sunday of a new decade. And that is significant because really our lives are defined by decades. Um, Your life isn't really defined by one year. Yes, there are many things that can happen in the, the course of a year, but really it takes a decade to really establish a marriage. It takes a decade to establish your family. We, we really do think in terms of decades rather than in just year-to-year year, um, life. If I were to ask you, when did you grow up? You would say, well, I grew up in the 40s. I grew up in the 50s. I grew up in the 60s. I don't remember them, but I grew up in the 60s. I, uh, I grew up in the 70s. I grew up in the 80s, the 90s. You would refer to that particular decade. I was born in 67, so I lived through the 70s, but I would tell you I grew up in the 80s. I was 13 in 1980. I graduated from high school in 1985. I graduated from college in 1989. I got married in 1989. And so the 80s was the decade of my formation. It's not that other great things did not happen in the 90s and in the first decade of the 2000s, but I'm just saying that it was that decade that really formed my heart and my mind and set the course for many years to come. And so the question I have for you is, what are you going to be like in the next decade? You know, if the Lord should tarry and should grant you life, where will you be in 10 years? What will you do in the next 10 years? I pray that it is a desire of all of us to be used in a significant way for God's kingdom in these next 10 years. How many of you want to do great things for the glory of God in this next decade? A few of you do. And, uh, and so this morning, the, the message I have for you, I, I'm not going to say that it's profound, but I, I do pray that it would at least give you something to consider, not only for 2020, but for this next decade, that it would be something you would say, it won't solve all of my problems, it, it, it won't necessarily determine how I'm going to be, but if I can apply this one thing to my life, I believe it will set me up to do great things for the kingdom of God Almighty. So let's take a look at it here. It's Proverbs 16 and verse number one. The preparations of the heart belong to man, but the answer of the tongue is from the Lord. All the ways, say that with me, all the ways of a man are pure in his own eyes, but the Lord weighs the spirits. Commit your works to the Lord and your thoughts will be established. Now, I love that verse, but I especially love how it is read in the Amplified Version. It says this, the plans of the mind and orderly thinking belong to man. But from the Lord comes the wise answer of the tongue. All the ways of a man are pure in his own eyes. But the Lord weighs the spirits, the thoughts and intents of the heart. Roll your works upon the Lord. Commit and trust them wholly to Him. He will cause, I love that, He will cause your thoughts to become agreeable to His will. And so shall your plans be established and succeed. Now that principle unveiled there is so important, it's so significant that it's actually echoed in Proverbs 14 and verse 12 and again in Proverbs 16 and verse number 25 where it reads, there is a way that seems right to a man but its end is the way of death. Now, I'd like you to repeat that with me, but I want you to say it with some 
you know, some power behind it. Don't just weakly say it. Say it with me. There is a way that seems right to a man, but its end is the way of death. Now, I want to share with you this morning a very simple message I've entitled, Coming Apart at the Seams. Father, I pray that on this first Sunday of the new year, this first Sunday of a new decade, that we would make a determination to no longer live in the seams. Because if we do, we'll come apart at the seams. But rather, we would commit ourselves to be men and women who are led by the Holy Spirit. So that we will do the wise thing rather than what seems to be the right thing. Speak to our hearts this morning as only you can. In Jesus' name, I pray. Amen and amen. Can you give the Lord praise in His house one more time before you're seated? And then before you're seated, would you turn to your neighbor and tell him you love him? In Jesus' name. Several years before we moved, or excuse me, several years after we moved to New Jersey, uh, the wife and a couple of the children of a couple that we were very close to in State College were involved in a very serious car accident. It was so serious, in fact, that they had to be life-flighted to Hershey uh, Medical Center in Hershey, Pennsylvania. And I'm going to take this story in a decidedly different turn here in a moment. And so let me just make it very clear that by the grace of God, all of them survived their injuries. Um, It was touch and go for at least a week, especially for the children. They were really hanging in the balance. But by the grace of God, all of them made a complete and total recovery uh, from those injuries. And I am so thankful for that. But we were so close to this family that we just decided that we needed to go over there. Hershey's about two hours from here. And so one morning we went over and we spent a few hours with uh, the husband who was not injured at all and, and just tried to encourage him through that period of time. And this was the first time that we had been to Hershey since we moved here to New Jersey. Now, we had gone to Hershey a number of times living in State College, and that is significant only to this, that coming in from State College, it was a much more direct route into Hershey than it is coming from New Jersey. If you've ever gone to Hershey Park or the town of Hershey or to Hershey Medical Center, you know that it's not really direct. You go to the turnpike and when you get off the exit, you still have about 20 or 25 minutes, depending on traffic, before you actually get to where you're going. It's, there's no real direct route. And if you are an impatient driver, as I am, that can be very frustrating because it just feels like it's taking you out of your way. So this is the first time I've ever done it, and it just is frustrating to me. So we're there, we visit, and now it's about 2.30, 3 o'clock in the afternoon, and we decide to leave, and we're coming out of the hospital, and I said to Kathy, you know, I just feel like I'm wasting my time going back to the turnpike the way that it sent me, in the directions. I said, it seems to me that the turnpike is right out that way. And it seems to me that if we stay right on this road that we are currently on, eventually we are going to intersect with the turnpike and save ourselves a lot of time. I just feel that that would be the best way to go. So it seems that this is the right way to travel. And my wife, being a submissive woman, looked at me and said, whatever, (laughs) That should have been my cue to go back to the first plan, but I went with blind instinct, more blind than instinct, I will admit now. We headed down that road. It seemed like the right decision at that time. How would I describe that trip? I would tell you that that is the single greatest navigational error of my entire life. I had never been that lost before. And I have to report, I have never been that lost since. 
They have to remember that this is the mid-90s, so navigational tools have not come out. No GPSs. MapQuest had not even come out at this point. You know, you were still looking at maps. I didn't bring a map. Somebody had just given me directions. It's that way. So I am lost And I can't even begin to think where I am. It was terrible. Now, I know some of you are saying, yep, typical male, you wouldn't ask for any directions. But my wife will tell you that I got out on a number of occasions to ask for directions. And they gave me directions and I followed them to the T. But I will tell you, I felt like I was getting more lost by the second. I had no idea where I was. It is now dark. It's winter. So it's about 4.30, 5 o'clock at this point. I have no idea. We're on country roads in Pennsylvania. I have no idea where we are. Finally, around 5 o'clock or so, I come out on a highway, but I don't even know where this highway is. I'm just thankful that I'm in open spaces because at least I know I'm near civilization at this point. So we're just traveling, and then all of a sudden, in the distance on my left-hand side, I saw something, and I was like, no, it can't be. And I looked at my wife, and she saw it, and we looked at each other, and we said, that can't be. And we got up closer, and we said, it is. I said, that is Dorney Park. Now, I don't know if any of you have ever been in Dorney Park, but I don't know how I did it, but somehow I managed to drive from Hershey Park to Dorney Park. I have no idea. I have gone back to maps since then and tried to retrace my steps. I can't for the life of me figure out how I did it. All I know is that's where I ended up at 6 o'clock in the evening. We hadn't eaten anything. I pulled off. We got a bite to eat. Thankfully, from there, I knew how to get back to New Jersey. But we didn't get home that night until I think it was 11 o'clock. And here's the point. What would have taken me two hours, ended up taking me seven hours. And it was because of those fateful words, it seems like there is a quicker way back home. You know, it's interesting uh, that you can tell a story and it's humorous when you're talking about traveling, but it's devastating when you're talking about life. It's amazing how wrong you can be at the end when it seemed right at the beginning. How many marriages have failed? How many families have been ripped apart? How many reputations have been ruined? How many churches have been split? How many churches have even closed? How many financial futures have been devastated? And more importantly than all of these, how many souls have been lost for all of eternity because one day someone entertained the thought, there seems to be a better way. It seems to me that this is the right thing to do. It seemed right at the time, but then life began to come apart at the seams. At the moment, it felt like the right thing. It seemed right to marry her. It seemed right to marry him. I didn't know that I would get that expression, but... It seemed right at the time to spend that money. It seemed right at the time to stay the night. It seemed right to go on that date. It seemed right to entertain that flirtation. It seemed right to make that agreement to enter into that contract. It seemed right to take that job. It seemed right to answer that text. It seemed right to go out that evening. It seemed right to click on that image. It seemed right to go on that website. It seemed right to take that picture. It seemed right to answer that call. It seemed right to not address that issue. It seemed right not to discipline my children. And then one day you woke up and said, how did I ever get here? And you woke up and said, I have never been this lost in my life before. And I don't even know where to begin to get out of it. How many of us in this room would humbly admit that we have said these words, I had no idea it would ever come to this. I had no idea it would ever lead to this. I had no idea that it would end this way. When it started out, it seemed like the right thing to do. It seemed like the right thing to do at the time. 
But then life began to come apart at the seams. As it always does when you live by what seems right to you. And for some of you, this is where you begin 2020. Because even as we're talking today, you are sitting in the ashes of the consequences of your life because a long time ago, or maybe not that long ago, at the moment it seemed right, but now life has come apart at the seams. For some of you, this is on the horizon. And up until this moment, you've been able to fake it, you've been able to cover it up, but now it's inevitable and there are no stopping the consequences that are coming any longer. Life is coming apart at the seams because one day, one night, one moment, it seemed like the right thing to do, but now life is coming apart at the seams. Folks, whenever you live by what seems right, by what feels right, life will eventually fall apart at the seams. It always will. This morning, by the grace of God, I I want to try and offer some help at the beginning of this new year, the beginning of this brand new decade, help from Scripture that might help us with this because I just got to tell you right now, I don't want us, I don't want us as individuals, I don't want us as a fellowship to be people who are living our lives in the seams. I want us to be a body that lives by the Holy Spirit of God that knows that our choices and our decisions are being led by the Spirit and not what seems to be right to us. And I believe that there is some wisdom from the Scripture that will help us with it. Even if you're right in the throes of a crisis right now, there are some things you can do that, even though it may not clean it up immediately, will at least keep it from getting worse. We don't have to make it worse by doing the same thing that got us into this place in the first place. And that is by doing what seemed to be right. Some of us are making things worse because we keep doing what feels right, what seems right, rather than being led by the Spirit of Almighty God. And I'm going to tell you, with the challenges that we are going to be facing in the next decade in the United States of America, should the Lord tarry, you and I cannot afford to be living in the seams anymore. We need to be living in the Spirit of God every day. In Jesus' mighty name. Can I hear a good amen? Listen, I, I love my Proverbs, and I think most of you know that I have a great love for the Proverbs. I read my proverb every day. Be honest with me. How many of you try to read your proverb every day? Let me see your hand, okay? I would love next year to see everyone's hand go up. I remember hearing a pastor say this 26 years ago this year. 26 years ago, I heard a pastor stand up. It was the first time I'd ever heard someone stand up and say, there are 31 Proverbs in the book of Proverbs. There's one for every day of the month. And all you have to do is get up every morning and at least read that proverb that corresponds with the day and then journal that proverb and you will be amazed at the wisdom you start gaining, not only over a year, but really over a decade. And now it's creeping up on three decades I've been doing that. Have I done it every day? Sadly, I cannot report to you that I've done it every day for the last 26. But I will tell you that more often than not, I read my proverb every day. And the wisdom that I have gained is not because I am a smart man. It's because I serve a wise God who has promised his word will never return to him void in Jesus' name. I believe we need to start reading the Proverbs. Just start that. Begin every day reading that proverb and journaling whatever the Lord lays on your heart so that you can have the wisdom of God. And a few weeks ago, I was reading this particular proverb, which is one of my favorite. And as I did, I felt the Lord impress on my heart that I needed to start this year with this proverb. Let me read it to you again out of the Amplified. He says, The plans of the mind and orderly thinking belong to man, but from the Lord comes the wise answer of the tongue. All the ways of a man are pure in his own eyes. 
in his own estimation. But the Lord weighs the spirits, the thoughts, and the intents of the heart. Roll your works upon the Lord. Commit and trust them wholly to Him. He will cause your thoughts to become agreeable to His will. And so shall your plans be established and succeed. You know, it has been said of 2020 that this is a year of vision. And I understand why we would say that because once and only once in human history has the year actually corresponded with the number we associate with perfect sight. And certainly we want to enter into 2020 with perfect vision. We want vision of what God wants to do in our lives individually, in our lives corporately, in the communities that we live. We need that perfect vision. But I will tell you what the Lord laid on my heart a couple of weeks ago is, what good is it for the Lord to give you vision of what He wants to do when your vision is impaired already? Many of us could never really come to grips with what God wants to do because our own sight is impaired. I was reminded this weekend of what Jesus said when he was preaching in Matthew chapter 7, beginning at verse number 3. He said, and why do you look at the speck in your brother's eye, but do not consider the plank in your own eye? Or how can you say to your brother, let me remove the speck from your eye and look at a plank that is in your own eye? Hypocrite, first remove the plank from your own eye and then you will see clearly to remove the speck from your brother's eye. Many of you have spent a lifetime looking at the speck of dust that is in your wife's eye, in your husband's eye, in your mom's eye, in your dad's eye, in your pastor's eye, in your elder's eye, in the eyes of the Democrat, in the eyes of the Republican in the eyes of the black, the white, the green, the purple, whoever. And you're digging around and God's saying the problem is you got a big old board in your own eye. And you can't minister to a world that is hurting as long as your vision is impaired. How many of you know it's time for us to submit ourselves to God and say, Lord, get that plank out of my eye so that I can see more clearly how to heal a broken generation in Jesus' mighty name. Oh, I love how you're shouting right now. Because all of you, you actually watch news shows that make you more and more angry about the people that have specks in their eyes. Folks, can I tell you, we need to spend more time in the Word of God and say, Lord, open up my eyes to see the world as you see them. Not in demographics and not in parties, but instead men and women whose souls are hanging in the balance. In Jesus' name. And one of the planks in our eyes is that we're living by the seams. We're living our lives in what seems right, what feels right, what is pure in our own eyes, and we're drifting away from the Lord. Solomon actually begins this incredible proverb by pointing out what belongs to God and what belongs to man. Bible says to man, God has given us free will in that we can formulate our own plans and order our thoughts appropriately in the hope of fulfilling those plans. That was a gift from God. God actually gave us the ability to formulate plans in our minds and then order our steps appropriately so that we can accomplish those very plans. You don't even need God's help to do that. An unbeliever does not need Christ to formulate a plan and then map out the course that they are going to take in order to fulfill that plan. Some of you don't like it, but that's true. Because there are great achievers who do not even believe in God because God gave us that ability. We are not robots. We're not hardwired, predetermined, or predestined to act, think, or speak, or behave in any particular way. You have free will. God gave that to you. God gave you His personality. The Bible says you were created in His image according to His likeness. God gave you a personality of, of emotion and free will. And, and God gave you thought process so you could make plans and you could order your steps in order to fulfill those plans. That is free will. 
We need to understand that. We believe that things can influence in this world, but we do not believe that this world can infect us. In other words, you may be stubborn today and say, it's my mother's fault because she was stubborn. No, your mom may have influenced you, but she did not pass on a gene of stubbornness to you. You made a choice to become stubborn. Can I hear a better amen than that? Whether we're comfortable with this or not, everything that you've become today, where you are today, is a direct result of the choices and the decisions that you have made. You are a product of your choices and your decisions. Things that you were raised in, the people who were around you, they may have influenced you, but they did not infect you with some disease that made you who you are today. You are a result of your own choices. Can I hear a good amen? Amen. So God allows us to plan out our lives and to order our thoughts accordingly. But the Bible says what belongs to the Lord is the wise answer of the tongue. Which tells me that there are two ways to live out your days on this planet. You can live them foolishly in rebellion against God or you can live your days wisely being submitted to His plan for your life, not your own. As believers, we do not want to formulate our own plans and order them and accomplish them. We want to be submitted to God's plan for our life and follow His ways and purposes in Jesus' name. You can foolishly and rebelliously sever ties with the Lord and you can dream and plan out your life, and then you can map out the steps that you're going to carry out in order to accomplish that. But I will tell you that even though you get to that, what will you have in the end? What will the prophet be when Proverbs 14 verse 12 tells us again, there is a way that seems right to a man, but its end is the way of death. So yes, God did give you the ability to sever ties with him and create within your mind a preferred future that seems right and to actually order your steps in order to accomplish it and you can have it but Jesus said what would it profit a man if he gains the whole world but in the end loses his own soul we can live that way if we want to or there's another way we can humble ourselves before God and say not my will but thy will be done. We can humble ourselves before God and seek the wise way to live. I was reminded early this morning as I was just meditating on this that the definition of wisdom is insight into the ways and the purposes of God. So you can either spend your life severed from God, inventing your own plan, and then planning out how that is going to be accomplished, or you can wait upon the Lord for insight into the ways and the purposes of God and fulfill what He desired for you and created you for, in Jesus' name. That's a choice all of us have to make. And I don't know why anyone would choose to rebel against God when you consider that in Jeremiah 29, in verse 11, we are told, For I know the thoughts that I think towards you, says the Lord, thoughts of peace and not of evil, to give you a future and a hope. God says, I know the thoughts I have for you. The thoughts I have are for peace. I don't want you to live your life in pain and anguish. Yes, there's going to be trials and tribulations, but there is un necessary trial because you're not following my path. I have thoughts of peace for you. I want to give you a future to look forward to. I want to give you a hope that will ground you even in the most difficult times of life. Why would we not want to submit to his plan? And so these are the two ways we can live. These are two ways that we can approach 2020. These are two ways we can approach the next decade of our life. We can plan our lives out and then order our thoughts in such a way that we can accomplish those plans, but we have no guarantee of what the end will be. Or we can humble ourselves at the beginning of this year, at the beginning of this decade, and say, Lord, not my will, but your will be done. You guide my steps. Now, with that in mind, The challenge for the believer. And if you're not a follower of Christ today, this isn't really for you. I want you to hear this. 
But if you're not a follower of Christ, it really doesn't apply to you. But if you are a follower of Christ, the challenge for every believer is discerning if the course of action that I am taking, the decision that I am about to make, is it the result of just careful planning and orderly thinking that is internally initiated and self-generated or is it the wisdom of the Lord ignited by and guided by the Holy Spirit? That's the challenge. I, I know that it's a challenge and we'll get into the moment. The challenge that, that stands before all of us before we make any decision, before we make any choice, The challenge that sets before all of us as believers before we take any direction in life is discerning. Is this action, is this direction self-generated? Is it just the product of my ability to think and plan out my life and plan out the steps in order to accomplish it? Or is it the wisdom of Almighty God that was initiated and guided by the Holy Spirit? And I know that that's the challenge because listen to what he says again in verse 2. All the ways of man are pure in his own eyes. But the Lord weighs the spirits, the thoughts, and the intents of the heart. I know that that is the challenge because the reality is all of our ways are pure in our own eyes. And so there is no doubt in my mind... And I hope I can communicate this the way it's in my spirit. There is no doubt in my mind that right now, all the choices, all the decisions, and the direction I want to take in my life is pure in my own eyes. But the challenge is, is that really from God? Or is that just Kurt? Is it just me? All the ways of a man are pure in his own eyes. You know what the most frightening word in that entire verse is to me? All. All of my ways are pure in my own eyes. This is is in the Old Testament. So this is in the Hebrew language. So I looked up all in the Hebrew lexicon, okay, Looked it up because I wanted to know what the word all in Hebrew meant. And I was fascinated. All in the Hebrew means all. (laughs) All. All means all. It means without exception. It means that it's all inclusive. There is not one way, not one thought, not one thing you're doing right now that is not pure in your own eyes. You are convinced that how you're living your life right now is right. That's why you're living it. Oh, pastor, can't you just preach a little softer here today? I know, I know. But that's what, is that what the Bible says? There is not one of you right now that thinks that what you're doing is wrong. That's why you're doing it. Even when you say it's wrong, you keep doing it because in your mind you've purified it. All of our ways are pure in our own eyes. That means that if I could just get all of you honest, (laughs) if I could, if I could get all of you to be absolutely transparent with me, you would justify everything you're doing right now. You would justify everything you're saying right now. You would justify the direction you're taking right now. You would even justify justify the way you're thinking right now because it's already pure in your own eyes. Like I said, that's why you keep doing it. That's why you go to church the way you do. That's why you pray the way you do. I mean, it's just pure in your own eyes. And as I said a moment ago, some of you are clearly violating the Word of God, but even in your own eyes, you found a way to justify it. I know that that's what the Bible says, but you don't understand my situation. It's pure in your own eyes. 
Your prayer life is pure in your own eyes. Even if you don't pray on a regular basis. And when I say pray, I'm not asking, Lord, this is what I need, this is what I need, this is what I need. No, it's going before God and crying out saying, Lord, what would you have me do? And agonize over the lost souls of mankind. We're talking about real prayer. Not that, now I lay me down to sleep kind of stuff, no. But your prayer life is pure in your own eyes. Your devotional life is pure in your own eyes. Your church attendance is pure in your own eyes. Your church involvement is pure in your own eyes. Your duties and responsibilities as a husband and a wife, a mother and father, that's pure in your own eyes. How you're handling your marriage right now, that's pure in your own eyes. Can I get really ugly here for a second? Okay. The divorce that you are setting in motion, that's pure in your own eyes. The adulterous affair that you're entertaining right now, that is purified in your own eyes. If my wife, if my husband would just, then I wouldn't. That's justified. All the ways of man are pure in his own eyes. That's a scary scripture. Because, because it leaves me with this understanding that I am always susceptible to self-deception. And the greatest deception is self-deception. Is when I convince myself that my ways are pure. That my ways are right. And you know what else it does? It leaves you unteachable. And that's why some of you immediately become defensive any time that we open up the Word of God and start calling things as they are. You get defensive because it's pure in your own eyes. If I stand and I tell you that we need to be praying and seeking the face of God more, you get defensive. No, I do enough. When I say you need to be more involved in the church, you get defensive. No, because it's pure in your own eyes. You, you resist it because you're living your life in the seams. This seems right to me. This seems like enough time to pray. This seems how I should be spending my money instead of being led by the Spirit of God. Now, some of us try to be a little more noble, and we'll say, well, Pastor Kurt, listen, I know I'm not right. I, I know I got a lot of wrong, but I'm seeking to rectify that even now. You know what the Lord laid on my heart? This was for me, but I'm going to share it with you, that I can't even trust that, because if all my ways are pure in my eyes, then even the way I'm going about rectifying that is pure in my own eyes, but it may not be right with God. In other words, what Solomon is saying is you cannot trust yourself at all. Turn to your neighbor and tell him you can't trust yourself. I mean, that's what, then this is the wisest man that ever walked on earth outside of Christ. A supernatural wisdom. And he says, you know what? You cannot trust yourself because all of your ways are pure in your own eyes. But the Lord is weighing the heart and the thoughts and the intents and the motive of every heart of man. You know, that, that, just, that just really frightens me because it, it, it makes me pause and realize that God is not only aware of what we're doing, He is aware of why we're doing it. He knows the motive that is behind it. He knows the intent. He knows whether we're doing it with selfless, selfless intention or selfish intention. If we're doing it for the glory of God and for the building up of our fellow man, for doing it to ourselves. As it says in verse number, uh, in chapter 12, verse, uh, I guess it was, uh, or chapter 14 and verse 12, 16, verse 25, there's a way that seems right to a man, but its end is destruction. Here's the scary part, is you can spend out your entire life doing what seems to be right, and only when it's too late find out you were wrong the whole way. 
I had no idea how far away I was from where I needed to be until I saw Dorney Park out my window. And I'm going to tell you, you have no idea where you're going to be when you find out you were wrong all along. Can I just talk to you today? I mean, yeah, I, I love preaching, but there are just times as a pastor, I've got I've to pastor, I've got to teach. I want you to hear this. Jesus himself said, not everyone who says, Lord, Lord, is going to enter into the kingdom of heaven. But those who do what? Those who do the will of my Father. Not who do what seems right. Those who do the will of my Father. Not everyone who says, Lord, is going to enter into the kingdom of heaven. Many are going to come to me on that day, and they're going to say, Lord, Lord, did we not cast out demons in your name? Did we not prophesy in your name? Did we not do all of these wonders in your name? And I'm going to look at them and say, it may have seemed like you had a relationship with me, but I never knew you. You spent your entire life doing what seemed right, you didn't do what was right. You deceived yourself. You did only what was pure in your own eyes. You lived your life by what seemed right, and now your life and eternity is coming apart at the seams, which it always does when you live by what seems right. You never knew me. We never had a relationship. Pastor Kurt, that would never happen to me. It's funny. Jesus said, many will come to me on that day. Folks, we cannot trust ourselves. And that's why many of us come to the end of every year in the same place we've always been. And that the same place we've always been the decade before and the decade before that and the decade before that because we live our life in the seams rather than living by the Spirit of God. So some of you are saying, well, what do I do then? What do I do? Here it is. He answers the question in verse 3. Roll your works upon the Lord. Commit and trust them wholly to Him. He will cause your thoughts to become agreeable to His will, and so shall your plans be established and succeed. If I were to use one word to sum up that verse, it would be this word, surrender. Turn to your neighbor and say, surrender. He says, because all of your ways seem right in your own eyes, in your own estimation, because all of your ways are pure in your own eyes, then the only way to know that you are being directed by the Spirit is to take all of your thoughts and all of your ways and all of your plans and all of your desires and just give them over to the Lord and say, I surrender. My desire to divorce... My desire to, to spend the tithe rather than to give the tithe. My desire to just attend church on Sunday morning and call it good enough. My intent to stay home tonight and watch the eagles rather than coming and worshiping the Lord with my brothers and sisters. I'm going to roll it all over to you. I'm going to surrender the days that I have left and I'm going to say, Lord, not my will, but your will be done. That word, roll over, you know, in most translations it says, it says commit, but if you look it up in the Hebrew, it really is this act of rolling over. Or you could even say rolling up. And in my mind's eye, that's, that's how I saw it. It's, it's taking all of your dreams all of your plans, all of your thoughts, all of your pain, all of your hurt, all of your betrayal, all of your standards, what you think is right, what you think is wrong, what people have done to you, anything that influences your decisions, roll them up 
and then come to the Lord and give them to him and say, Lord, wherever you lead me, I will follow. You know, we, we love that verse that we just read a moment ago in, in, uh, uh, in Jeremiah 29 and verse 11. And let's read it again. For I know the thoughts I think towards you, says the Lord, thoughts of peace and not of evil to give you future and a hope. Now we usually end right there. But listen to what he goes on to say. Then you will call upon me and go and pray to me and I will listen to you and you will seek me and you will find me. When? When you search for me with all your heart. I'm not going to hear you just because you get up and say, Lord, do this, do this, do this, do this in my life. I'm going to hear you when you come to me with your whole heart, which is your will, and say, Lord, I'm giving it all to you. I don't trust myself because all of my ways are pure in my own eyes. I'll justify everything I do. So, Lord, I can't trust myself. I'll deceive myself, and I might find myself in a horrible position one day. So, Lord, knowing that, I'm going to seek you with all my heart. I'm going to give you everything, not part of everything, everything. See, some of you, you give everything to God that is not important to you, but you hold on to the part that is most important. God says, I'm not going to hear you. I'll only hear you when you come to me saying, I surrender all. He says, then I'll be found by you. And listen to this, I'll bring you back from your captivity. I will gather you from all the nations and from all the places where I've driven you, says the Lord, and I'll bring you to the place from which I cause you to be carried away captive. You remember, this is spoken to Israel, and Israel was in captivity. And what he says to them is, I know that you want your freedom, and I know you want your restoration, but it will only come when you finally surrender everything to me. And some of you are looking for that freedom, and you're looking for that restoration, but you keep doing what seems right to you, and that's why you're not making any changes within you some point you got to say Lord I surrender it all to you if you want me to stay in this hard marriage if you want me to spend more time in prayer if you want me to sell everything I have and follow you wherever you lead me I will do it and God says when you do that then I'll set you free then I'll restore your heart and your life but you got to come holy to me not trusting yourself and here's what he says over time it isn't going to happen today. Some of you, you just want it, you know, you, you want it right now. It's not going to happen today. Turn to your neighbor and tell them it's not going to happen today. It probably won't even happen tomorrow. But over time, if you daily get up and say, I surrender all, I surrender all, I surrender all, here's what he says. I will cause your thoughts to become agreeable to my will. Now you think about that. How was Jesus conceived within Mary by the Holy Spirit? She says, I don't know a man. He says, it's not man, it's the Spirit. You keep surrendering yourself to me and I will supernaturally give you my plans and my thoughts and then your plans will succeed and be established because they weren't yours, they were mine in Jesus' name. Praise God. I mean, how many of you are thankful for a God that will work with you that way? Amen. Amen. But how do I know it's the Lord? That's, you're going to love me for this. I wasn't going to do this, but I got to. It's late now. How do I know? Even then, like because I don't know. Like I, I know that I'm yielding to the Lord, but how do I know if what is given to me is really from the Lord? If all my ways are pure in my own eyes, then how will I know for sure that it's God? You got to come back tonight. 
I'm going to end right. I got to. I, it's too late. If you want to know how you discern, because I'll tell you, the Word of God is more important than who wins that game today. And I know some of you say, some of you would be saying, yeah, but you wouldn't feel that way if it was the Cowboys. Listen, I've told you this a long time ago. I don't know how many of you remember it. I would have gladly become an Eagles fan. It's just I realized how much fun I could be, have if I remained a Cowboys fan here. I don't care about the Cowboys. I don't care about football. I do care about eternity. And, and I'm just going to tell you, I wasn't intending that this whole sermon was planned. It was ready to go. But the service ran late. And I just do not want to take another, because it would probably take me another 10 minutes to go through this. I don't want to do it. So I'm just going to tell you, and we don't record Sunday night. So if you want to hear, because there are some things that you can do to discern whether this is God or this is me. But you'll have to come back out tonight for it. Father, Help them all to forgive me for that. I wouldn't normally do that, Lord. But time is away, and I needed to break that down the way that it was in my heart today. These are serious days, Lord. And there are many, many in this room that would say, oh, I love the Lord. I'm committed to Him. I want to do His will but they don't even realize that they're doing what seems right to them. Lord, you've got to help us. We do not want to live in what seems to be right and find ourselves in destruction. We want to be led by the Spirit. So Lord, I pray that there would be no competition at 6 o'clock tonight that we'll be in this house to learn how to discern the voice of the Lord so that we can be directed by the Spirit because we cannot keep making the same mistakes and driving down the same road only to discover we were wrong all along. We need to know that we are where we need to be in Jesus' mighty name. Amen.